Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next segment of our True Philadelphians podcast, with this one being called One with the Hive. How you doing today, Joe? Uh, very well. Definitely better due to the fact that the Flyers helped to cement, and we have the Sixers tomorrow to help cement the fact that the Eagles are just not good. <laughs> I have the Eagles to turn it around. Let's not worry too much, as uh, you'll see the quick turnaround eventually. But, yeah, you mentioned Sixers tomorrow night. Finally back in action after what seems like what seemed like a long, long off season. After we all had our hearts severely broken, as we all know. Um, but have you recovered from that shot yet? Well, I mean... I don't know if anybody, I think whenever any Sixers fan from here on out sees, I almost called him Joe Ross. Uh, sees, I, I was thinking of Cody Ross in my head while I was talking about the Philly show here. So, but sees, uh, qui- sees uh, Quiet Leonard in Philadelphia, just like when anybody from the Philly saw Cody Ross in Philadelphia, it just brought back bad memory. Uh, same, and then if, if, I, if I even want to go further, Joe Carter. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of those guys that just doesn't bring back good memories when you see him around. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, and he's a uh, he's having another fantastic game tonight against the Lakers. So he has not lost a step. Yeah, well, I mean, here. I think. Nor did I expect him to? Yeah. But. Well, you want to hear a? Um, this might be an unpopular opinion, but. I mean, if I had to pick the best player currently in the NBA, I would say it's Kawhi, especially with Durant being injured uh, and LeBron being 36. I would give it to Kawhi at this point. Kawhi is absolutely definitely up there. Um, It's, I guess, best overall two-way player. He's got to be in the conversation for best. Um, That's why I would give it best because LeBron takes off during the regular season on defense. That's why I would probably favor him. Kawhi Leonard over LeBron a little bit in the regular season where in the playoffs then the sky's the limit for LeBron if his team can make it to the playoffs but which they will be back this year yeah they should unless Um, Anthony Davis's knees don't know what life is so that's true (laughs) but I mean after that heartbreaking uh, loss the Sixers were very busy this offseason. Um, I will start by naming some of the players they lost, which were Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Greg Monroe, Boban, T.J. McConnell, and Amir Johnson. Uh, obviously, made the trade for Jimmy Butler last year. Everyone wanted him back, but whether I don't think anyone ever really knows from the reports that came out whether the Sixers offered him a big deal and he didn't want to come back here, or the Sixers were unwilling to offer him that deal. I don't know if you have a a uh, side on which one you believe, but uh, from what I'm here, from what I heard, I think Jimmy Butler just didn't want to be back here. I would think it was more on that side. So I think probably the best way to put how Philly feels about Jimmy Butler is how. Um, Barrett Brooks said he felt about Dallas leading up to the Dallas week, which is kind of Jimmy Butler can kiss my you-know-what. Um, so I think that that's going to be most Philadelphians' takes on Jimmy Butler at this point. It's going to be like, you suck, nobody likes you anymore, but thanks for Josh Richardson. Like, 
uh, th- that's kind of going to be the reaction. That's going to be just thanks for Josh Richardson. <laughs> so exactly, exactly, and that's my thing. I think in the long run it'll work out for the Sixers, but um, I think honestly, I, you tell me what you think, but I think. In reality, when the games, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jimmy Butler's the better two-way player. But as the season goes on, I think J.J. Redick might be a bigger loss to the way this team plays than Butler will be because, I mean, we'll get into that as we get more into this roster. But the lack of shooting that we might see this year might be more of an issue than losing Butler. So I think J.J. Redick, in in a sense, could almost be a bigger loss to this team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think you need Club Tyrone's bull, uh, Shake Milton, to step up this year for some shooting. And uh, I think you're going to see him step up a little bit. I mean, I don't think you can expect a heck of a lot out of a dude that's just getting his first decent amount of reps for what people think will happen, at least at some point this season, whether it's at the start or later, most likely a little bit later since he has a two-way. So... I mean, I think you're going to need guys like him. You're going to need Furcon to step up now that you signed Furcon. Whether he can do that or not is a very big if. So um, if you can get guys like that to step up, then you're kind of in good shape. But those are not. And then I also saw Zaire. It seems like Zaire developed a little bit more shot-wise. He's still not great, but at least he's not afraid to shoot. Uh, so that's a good sign for if once he keeps developing his shot, he'll probably actually be at least all right. Uh, and then very good defensively. Same with Thibault. So, I mean, I think you're going to be fine. It's just you need those two that I mentioned at the forefront to step up shooting-wise. Absolutely, and that's something you're gonna we're going to have to figure out, and we'll see hopefully soon what type of rotation minutes players get because, I mean, it was a, it was a battle this offseason yeah. and th- throughout camp on who would be the backup point guard and who is going to be shooting. And that's where I think uh, I'll jump into real quick, bringing in who the Sixers acquired this offseason. And that's you get Al Horford from free agency, stealing him from your rival Celtics, bringing Josh Richardson, as we just mentioned, the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, you bring in another free agent, uh, Raul Nito, Trey Burke, Kyle O'Quinn. You officially signed Shake Milton from the G League team. And he is now officially, I think they gave him a two- or three-year deal. Oh, they did uh, do that, that now. Okay, I didn't see that. Okay, my bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's off He's off the two-way deal. He's okay, officially gotcha. a member of the Sixers, which I'm excited for because I am a very big Shake Milton fan. And I think he's – you'll see him be a second-round sleeper in that, from that draft class. Um, Isaiah Miles. And then you have two two-way contracts and another guy you drafted, uh, Mariel Shayok, yeah. uh, who I'm excited to see him play and see how he develops. He, he could be another second-round sleeper we see from this draft class. He's out of Iowa State, and I got to see him a few times live being go, going to Oklahoma State, so two Big 12 teams. I got to see him play up close, and he's an exciting player to watch, and I hope he can pan out. But out of that group, I mean – who are you most excited to watch and fill in on this team? <laughs> wow, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, that's a really tough question. For me personally, because what really always got me invested much in basketball is great two-way play, which is even though Kawhi Leonard screwed us over, I still like Kawhi Leonard. I can't just hate a guy for doing that. I can hate him for doing it to us, but I don't think I can hate an overall player just for doing that to my team. Um... I don't think that would be just, <laughs> in a sense. 
but the where I think Zaire to me when I saw him last year, like I kind of mentioned him already, I just liked how he wasn't afraid to shoot when we knew he didn't have the best shot. So when he develops a shot, I see him being at least a 12 points a game to 15 maybe guy, even with the defense when he is fully developed. Because I assume he's going to be a bench player most of his career and not really start unless if uh, he really develops. That's kind of why I would put him more at like 12 points or something like that. Okay, that's that's fair reasoning. Um, I uh, I'm I think one of my biggest things I'm excited to see how I mean Josh Richardson conti- continues to develop well, and I think he's going to fit in well with this this system. He'll find a lot of open shots, and I think you'll see his three point percentage uh, improve. But I'm kind of interesting to see how Al Horford pairs with Embiid. I mean, <laughs> just having two phenomenal bigs down low and I don't know, it seems like we're almost trying to go back to that old school hard fought basketball and I mean obviously Brett Brown was with the Spurs under uh, Greg Popovich and it almost seems like we're trying to almost go back to that style of play yeah I think you're going to see a lot of what fans will probably honestly refer to as the old cliche of Spurs basketball all over Twitter honestly from the Sixers this year because, like you said, it just seems like they're going into that exact design kind of of how the Spurs kind of – where your straight point guard wouldn't always bring the ball up. It sounds like Tobias is going to bring the ball up a decent amount this year as well. So the Spurs kind of did that where when Kawhi was there, they would let him bring the ball up as suppose to Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili would bring the ball up. So they would always switch the ball handler as well. So it seems like you're going to use a lot of those dynamics. I fully agree with you on that. And I think that's not a bad thing because look how flawless that offense was for many years. Exactly. And, I mean, they still – I mean, yeah, they lost – when they lost Kawhi, they obviously lost a little bit of a beat. But, I mean, good coaching goes Well, Greg Popovich is a legend, yeah. Exactly. So he he knows how to um, keep them afloat. Uh, I would say – I mean, I would say it, it should still work. I mean, the pieces they have, I feel like, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Would you agree that the biggest weakness will probably end up being shooting? Yeah, yeah, I, I would have to. I would have to say. I mean, you can't look at anything else and go. I think that would be a big weakness. So I would have to say that is the biggest weakness by default, honestly. So I mean, exactly, and that's that's something you go into some of the games last year. You saw. <laughs> When we would struggle, we'd end up losing shootouts, meaning like we'd, we'd be giving up 115 points and we'd be losing mm-hmm. some of those games because we just couldn't match. Well, that's where this year you can steal, you can steal more games because this defense should be phenomenal. And honestly, your defense might be your strongest part of the the team over your offense in general. And you you might see this team win some under 100 scoring games, and that's that's going to go far, especially when playoffs come around mm-hmm. i think that's gonna be a tremendous asset to this team and it's it's just i don't know i feel like the what the, what ellen brand chose to do this offseason was phenomenal and i know we got a lot of criticism during the draft and all that but i actually loved i loved what they did i loved the, the trades they made i mean to to bring in a guy like i'm excited for so like matisse Thybul. i mean the three and day mm-hmm. wing guy i mean they got a lot of upside along with the veterans they brought in. It's not like the Eagles where they have a 
the second oldest team. They just brought in a bunch of veterans, and you saw injuries. The Sixers actually went out and mixed a group of old players. and I mean, not even really a group. I mean, really, Al Horford's your oldest guy. And mm-hmm. outside, yeah. outside of that, you mix them in with great young talent. And they got something that we haven't seen in Philly for a little bit, which is depth. Exactly. exactly. That's what I was going to say is key where um, that's why I kind of released that video I put on YouTube earlier, which was Wells Fargo teams versus everyone else, <laughs> where the two Wells Fargo teams are honest and thorough and actually finally decided, you know what our problem was? Depth. <laughs> so let's get depth where the other two teams went. Yeah, you know what, guys? Let's keep a top-heavy organization to see what happens. And now we're seeing what happened. Uh, where that's why the Sixers are in such good a shape. Because Elden Bram went, I, you can't win with a top-heavy. Even though the NBA is more paralleled now, which is great. Because I'm finally excited for a full NBA season and not just the Sixers. Stephen A. Smith also came out today and said, this is the most excited I've been. I think it was, it was today or yesterday. This is the most excited I've been for an NBA season in years. And that's a dude that's thoroughly invested in basketball. So, I mean, like, like that's saying something. So, compared to, like, me, like, say Stephen A. Smith saying that is saying something. So, I mean, that's great to see as well, in my opinion, just the overall presence of how great the balance of the league is going to be finally. Exactly. I don't, I don't know when the last time you could say, or I could say that, I could see anywhere from five or six teams winning the finals. Like, and that it's finally back to the way it should be. And you don't have that stacked. I mean, obviously they'll be contenders again, but you don't have that stacked Warriors team. You don't have that stacked Heat team. You don't have the stacked Cavs team. You got legitimate teams ready to fight out an entire season. And I mean, you can pick and choose who you want, but just let alone, you don't even know who the best team in LA is going to be. No, I mean, that's that, exactly. That's how crazy. Max Kellerman be. and Stephen A. Smith can't agree on who the best team in LA is going to be. <laughs> so, uh, and honestly, that, I go back and forth myself. I, yeah. I don't know. I can't really pick who. Like, I mean, because I think LeBron and KD would be the better physical duo. But AD, I think the I think Clippers are the better overall roster. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's I so, I completely agree with that. I think the Clippers have more depth than the Lakers, so that might rule out in the end. But who knows? And yeah, I mean, only time will tell, and we'll see health wise too. I mean, George misses the beginning of the season, and then obviously we know Anthony Davis's injury history. Yeah, I brought um, that up earlier. I mean, maybe. I wouldn't expect him to, but like you said, LeBron's thirty six, so he's getting up there, and he was hurt last year. So who knows? I mean, sometimes health. Sometimes health. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's thirty six. If anything, I think I shed a year off his life rather than added one. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that will be fun for the NBA. And I mean, going back to the Sixers, as we've been talking about depth, I think a key to this bench will have to be uh, a guy like Kyle O'Quinn. I know that's not the Sexiest biggest name, name, yeah, but I mean, Kyle O'Quinn's gonna actually he's gonna be a big piece. Just because, I mean, you saw last year in Game 7, Embiid played, what, 44, 45 minutes? You can't yeah, allow that to happen against him. You're not asking Quinn to put up 30 points a game. You're just asking him to come in, get rebounds, give you about 15 to 20 minutes a game, and let Horford and Embiid like, kind of rotate. And Kyle, like, he's a better version of Amir Johnson, in my opinion. 
Well, he's a 50 times better version of Amir Johnson. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Amir Johnson was just straight hustle. Other than that, he wasn't that great. So, I mean, the one thing I did want to say about the Sixers, though, going back to how we were talking about the defense and offense about 10 minutes ago is just from, like, how Anthony Gargano, I think I said his last name right, right? <laughs> yeah, Okay. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, on 97.5, uh, is so big on the Sixers, as you probably know. He's a huge basketball dude, and I love I love uh, his takes on the Sixers. So. But he basically said how excited he is for the season. But, I mean, just from he said how I looked at every NBA roster recently to compare it to the Sixers, I literally did that same exact thing. I was like, like, the one day I was literally doing nothing with my day. I was just looking through score on the freaking different Eastern Conference rosters. To go, yeah, okay, we match up better against this team. Better than <laughs> so, uh, like the same exact thing he was doing, where it took me to the point of I think the Sixers honestly have the very good chance to have a top three defense in the in the league, let alone the East. Absolutely, they should definitely be. I mean, I don't know which defense would be better. I mean, I think. Yeah, I just don't want to say top defense because then I mean. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, and I mean, this this will be the most fun six, the most fun the city has seen for basketball since maybe two thousand one. I mean, this this which we were both team, puppies for two thousand one. It's not like we really were invested probably in that. I mean, I know like I watch clips of it well. And I, I mean, I watch some of the games with my family, but it's not like I. I remember that more from highlights than I do from watching the games. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, we were very young during the Allen Iverson days. I mean, Yeah, now I do remember loving Allen Iverson, but um, I don't remember everything about that team. I just remember the fact that I had basically a man crush on Allen Iverson as a kid. (laughs) I mean, I think everybody in Philadelphia did. You're not not alone on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, But... I mean, even, like, to see the expectations that high inside the locker room as well is kind of just intriguing to me as well. I mean, you see, you just, you hear Brett Brown say, I want the number one seed. I mean, obviously, hopefully your coach would say that. But, like, he gets to say it this year with actually Authority, like, yeah. You, you actually have a chance to get that one seed. And that's just something this team, I mean, obviously went through those very, very uh, sad tanking years. And, I mean, this is... And I don't know what your thoughts are on Brett Brown. I know there's a lot of criticism at the end of last year. Are you a Brett Brown fan? Are you not? I mean, I I am all for keeping Brett Brown. I'm a big Brett Brown believer. Well, first of all, if we got rid of Brett Brown, I probably would have went nuts on Twitter compared to just get, even getting rid of Gabe Kapler because I, I think that would have been more of a mistake than even getting rid of Gabe because Gabe hasn't really created that much of a foundation yet with the Phillies. I mean, to be forthright honest, you can't create that much of a foundation in two seasons. Where... Brett Brown's been there for a while that I think you're almost, you would almost just be destroying your foundation and it would t- and you would have to go through a lot to you might suck to start the season in my opinion if you got a new coach because people would have to adjust to that entirety as well where that's why I think he's won the right coach for Philadelphia to win a championship in my opinion and it was just about getting that filled out roster and getting that right GM in Elton Brand to fill out that roster is kind of all I thought it was. Yeah, and that's that's a fair point. And I mean, 
I think it sounds like we uh, we usually agree on the coaching staff pretty well. I mean, we're both Capital guys Typically, and all that. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I would have been okay with keeping Scott Gordon, but then when we hired AV, I was like, never mind, Scott Gordon, you can go back and coach the Phantoms. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I mean, it kind of depends who you hire, so. I don't even know whatever happened. Like, what happened to Scott Gordon? He actually, no, that's actually what he did, which is the most outstanding thing that I think a man in hockey has ever done. No one ever goes back to coach the minor league team. He literally is like, I love this organization so much, I'm going to go back and coach the Phantoms to get these guys to be as good as they can be when they get to you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good for him, then. I mean, hopefully he'll eventually get a real NHL job, but... Yeah, I don't anyway. even know. Yeah, maybe some guys are just content at times sometimes in their career too. They just like being with the young kids to develop them to because that's just like more fun for them sometimes than actually coaching the NHL guys. Yeah, I mean, if you already know where you want to live and stuff, yeah. and don't want to move everything around, might as well just keep it if it's working well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, jump back in the Sixers, I, I obviously you have your two young core guys and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, both a little injury, or obviously Embiid, a lot of injury yeah. history. Simmons had some. I mean, let me ask you this question, and I can give my answer after, but who do you think is more valuable to the Sixers having a successful season and hopefully winning the finals? But which one do you think has to perform the best between Embiid and Simmons? Honestly, this answer might shock you because I think you would think I would say Joel, but I'm going to go with Ben Simmons because of the addition of Horford and Kyle Quinn. I think you have a better chance to cement the loss of Joel Embiid for an extended period of time, where Ben Simmons is one is your not one of your biggest is your biggest facilitator, and you need him on the court, especially with the fact that now he's pulling up from mid range. It looks like he's going to expand his game. Uh, he might average even like say 18 or something like that. I mean, like, I mean, this dude's definitely going to expand his game forthright this year. So I would say because of his overall skill set and the fact that he's basically a power forward playing point guard is I would say Ben Simmons honestly weighs a little bit more. No, and honestly, I, I'm going to agree with you again. I I think Ben Simmons is the is bigger, is, a, is a key. I mean, I think Joel Embiid, you can say, is probably, if you're going to rank best players in the NBA – yeah, you probably put Embiid in front of him, but to this team's that for success, now, if he yeah, if now. he develops a shot, I mean, that's true, and that's the thing, and we can get we'll probably get into that as well. But to me, you have Embiid, you kind of know what you're going to get out of Embiid. You know he's going to put up close to twenty points a game at least, and you're going to get probably at least ten rebounds a night. But to me, the issue with Simmons last year is bigger than not having a jump shot. In my opinion, was the inconsistency you saw from him. I mean, mm-hmm. one night he's dropping 20, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds almost. And then the next night he's putting up two to five points, only getting like eight eight assists and stuff like that. So to me, like Ben Simmons has to kind of have a leadership development this year. Like, yeah, you know MB is going to be the funny guy off the court and the funny guy and stuff and have the trash talk and stuff. But to me, Ben Simmons has to – He's the point guard. He's you got to control it. You got to call call the plays, and you got to be able to run the team. And I think this is the year Ben Simmons really has to go from whatever level you want to say he's in now to the next level. I mean, this is a key pivotal year for Ben Simmons and his future. He's coming off that 
big contract extension this offseason. Um, so I think this is a, an important year, and hopefully we see – I'm not saying he has to go take – 10 three-pointers. Oh, no. Hopefully, no. <laughs> hopefully we see at least two to three, I've said before. Um, I think the over-under for uh, Ben Simmons, hopefully it could be about th- three and a half threes a game. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good uh, number. And also, just to clarify, Andrew means take three and a half threes a game, not make. So don't uh, go nuts about that on Twitter, people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not expect. I'm hoping maybe he makes one a game, but I mean, let's just start with one and see where we can go from there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think uh, one thing I just wanted to talk to you about the Sixers is you have Embiid and uh, Simmons as part of the court, but I think you also. I mean, you signed Tobias for an extended period of time, of course, who's now finally cemented in a city, which I think is really going to help him. So I would say he's definitely part of your core now too, and also is young. And then you traded for Josh Richardson, who's also young. So you have a, honestly, you you kind of have a four-headed horse of your core that I think you have, I don't know when Richardson's contract's up, but uh, once you keep him here, you have a bunch of young guys, like a four-headed monster that is going to be around for a pretty long time if you want to keep them together. Yeah, I mean, Harris is hopefully, he was very, active with uh, the fans in the off season and showing how much he loved to get to be back and hopefully uh, it works out. I'm excited to see him play. I've always been a Harris fan. I am a little worried about, I mean, we've already talked about how good our defense will be, but I am a little worried about how he can keep up with some of the small forwards in the league because he is a little slower on that end of things just because, I mean, he's been a power forward for most, if not all of his time in the NBA. So it will be an interesting thing to see his transition into a small forward That's role, true. which I am going to be honest, I'm a little concerned about, but I think it will work out all right. But Harris is, true, I mean, yeah. there's, he's, he, well, he's I have a question he could, for you on Harris real quick, though, since you said, since he's so athletic, he's an athletic four, though, uh, where if you're going to put him in the best defensive position and you're playing a team with a bigger shooting guard, you might actually benefit from when uh, Jay Rich is on the bench, just letting Tobias play shooting guard. Honestly, especially if that shooting guard is not necessarily quick, more they're more just a good scorer, but they're not that fast. Um, mm. Where because he could match up against that shooting guard kind of very well athletically compared to if you're playing a small forward like LeBron or something, you wouldn't really want Tobias Harris guarding him. Yeah, hey, I mean. You're absolutely right. You might but, actually be better off having Jay Rich go LeBron, to be quite honest. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could kind of flop them or let Ben go LeBron and Jay Rich go to the point guard. And so th- th- that's kind of what I think you have a lot to play with in that, too, with Brett Brown, just because of how athletic your team is. Exactly. And that's another advantage to the Sixers is how athletic. And, and if you're going off that scenario, I'd definitely say – You'd probably put Ben on LeBron, and then you'd have Richardson guard the point guard, and you could probably put Harris on the – you'd have Harris on – I mean, it all depends what the Lakers do too because who knows if they're going to have Kuzma. I don't even know because it's all matchups, but you could, they could have Kuzma at power forward. They could have LeBron at power forward. They could have uh, Davis at power forward. They, I mean, they're almost just as versatile as the Sixers are. I mean – Maybe not fully athletic-wise, but 
Um, in terms of positioning, they could probably mix things up as well. But I would say in a game like that, you'd probably put Ben on LeBron. Yeah, especially because if we're going from past experiences, Ben has mainly been on LeBron. So I would not know why you would switch that. So, yeah, I would probably think that's the case as well. I mean, that, I mean it's worked at times. Uh, but, I mean, it's also LeBron, so it's also obviously not going to work at times. But, I mean... Yeah. Oh, well, well, also, now that we're talking about one of the best players, this is not about the Sixers, but just because LeBron's one of the best of all time. And also, we talk about overall NBA stuff on our podcast, too. Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, what about Michael Jordan's take on Steph Curry? I mean, here's the thing. It's a, it's a challenging spot for Jordan because you can't come out and uh, talk all high praise on a guy that's in the league because if Jordan is a owner in the league... So if he comes out and says anything in terms of going to that next level, he's going to get fined for tampering. So, I mean, yeah, I saw him. He's getting ripped on because he said Curry's not a Hall of Famer. Well, I more think he should have talked. He shouldn't have talked the interview in general. That's probably why he's getting ripped on. And, and that's probably it too. But I mean, I'm just saying. You saw. You saw last year. Uh, what's his name? Doc Rivers got fined for tampering just because he said Kawhi is probably going to be a Hall of Famer and is the closest we've seen. To Jordan, but I mean that's called tampering because oh he's saying good things about Kawhi, so he's obviously trying to persuade him to get well, that, first to of his all, team. That's stupid because I mean I I never liked that rule in the NBA personally because if I'm the owner of a business, I can say great things about another business's CEO and I wouldn't get fined. <laughs> so no, I, I agree with you, but I'm just saying that's that's probably why Jordan went that route of not going to the next level of, oh, Curry's a lock for the Hall of Fame, just because, yeah, he's still part of a team, so he's got to be careful with what he says. Yeah, I, I, I see that, but my whole thing was, I don't know why he took the interview in the first place, because, I mean, if you know you're restricted in what you can say, I don't think you should really be doing interviews, because you can't really have a true interview. It's kind of just fake at that point. But, I mean, that's also the problem, because they're... You're being in that position, you're forced to get interviewed. Eh, I don't think you're forced to do anything. I mean, the media sometimes uh, just wants to interview you. You don't really have to interview. You could kind of just say no comment all the time. I'm just going to be the owner of this team. I'm going to help manage the basketball operations, and I don't want to get fined. <laughs> Poor Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can go that way, but then you're, I mean, it's a loose-loose situation because you do that, you're going to get backlash as well. Cause you're gonna be Mainly from the media, though, I think, more so than fans, in my opinion, yeah. at least. Well, I mean, I don't think it, I think you should care less about media backlash compared to fan backlash, in my opinion. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the other thing. I never thought he's, I don't think he's ever been such a good uh, person in the front office anyway. Obviously, I think he's a uh, hundred times better basketball player than he ever will be in that in this position he is in. Well, hey, 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 he did beat Michael Kidd Gil. I think that was Michael Kidd Gilchrist in one-on-one. <laughs> That's exactly my point. He's still, he's still a better player than he is a, uh administrator. Well, well, that also was pathetic, the fact that Michael Kidd Gilchrist got smoked by like a 50-year-old, even though it was Michael Jordan still. Like... <laughs> Yeah. And then, I mean, real quick, 
I mean, I don't know if you have, do you have anything else to say on that that note. No, I just wanted to bring it up since it, I figured we should talk about because it, it was a big news in basketball. So. No, oh, yeah, absolutely, and I just didn't know before I moved on to the next segment if you had anything else to say about that. But I mean, no. Well, first but, of all, but, I want to say I want to say well, I do want to say one thing because I don't feel like having people at me for saying I don't like MJ because I just kind of said he shouldn't have took an interview. I think Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time, so nobody come at me for not liking MJ. I just don't think he should have took the interview realistically. <laughs> well, that's a debate for another day because I disagree with that statement, but. Um, uh, what statement about taking the interview? That Michael, Michael Jordan is the best player ever in the NBA. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't, I didn't know he's, what statement you would have. He is not my number one. Um, but I will reveal that list at another time to be spoken of. But Yeah, we'll do but, a show that we have a, a top ten of our list. That would be a kind of a cool idea, I think. Yeah, I'm down for that. That would be a fun uh, fun. Outside Sixers talk, NBA talk podcast that yeah. you guys should keep an eye out for. Um, but anyway, going back to the depth of this team that we didn't even mention. We've been talking about Kyle Quinn, Zaire Smith, and I know I mentioned uh, Itis uh, Thibel, but two key returning guys we even get to name yet, and one fan favorite, Mike Scott, and the other, James Ellis. Who I think... Uh, Ennis, yeah, Ennis, 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 yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Ellis. Uh, uh, my bad, yeah, James yeah. Ennis. Um, are two key returners, and you saw Ennis have a phenomenal postseason. I mean, I know he struggled a little bit towards the end of that Raptor series, but overall, if you break down his postseason, he was probably the best bench player and kept us afloat in a lot of those games. And obviously, Mike Scott, you know what you're getting, heart, hustle, and uh, fan favorite, so... I think, yeah, I mean, when you stay a fan favorite after trying to kick an Eagles fans, you know what? I mean, that's uh, when you know you're loved in a city. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I feel bad that it all even had to go down for him. I mean, I don't even know why you try to fight an NBA player, let alone a 6'7 or Well, that security guard should have also stepped in more, but that's a different story for a different time. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's what's so exciting. You've got all these names. Like, Last year, the Sixers had no depth. The year before that, the Sixers had no depth. And that's Even why you're getting so, eliminated yeah. the second round. And that's what brings this year so exciting. Because finally, you don't... I mean, honestly, I already mentioned how much of a fan of Brett Brown I am, but there's no excuses for Brown this year. If you don't get past that second round, you're not back next year. No, like, unless if there's like a ridiculous scenario where, God forbid, like a bunch of people were out in the series, then you would be like, all right, well, there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's fair. Yeah. But I'm just saying, assuming all healthy, all good to go, Brett Brown's got no excuses this year. This is the make or break year. So let me say this. I'm going to put the – I'm going to say my win total. I think this team could probably win 60 to 62 games. I don't know what you you think they're going to do. But I fully expect, I'm not going to lie, I expect a one seed and at least 60, 60 wins this year. Yeah, well, 62 would leave us with only 20 losses, so that might be... Um, I would say closer to the 59 to 60 range for me, just because I feel like basketball, so much stuff can happen. Uh, where you can lose a couple games that you shouldn't have lost, and you can win a couple games that you shouldn't have won either. So, 
Um, I think those things sometimes lead into going a little bit one or two wins less than people tend to predict. Or sometimes yeah, yeah. one to two wins over of what you tend to predict as well for if you kind of win games you shouldn't have won by just a clutch shot in the end. Yeah, and the reason why I say 60 is because you look at uh, last year, you win 51 games. If you break that season down, let's think about who you won 51 games with. I mean, that starting lineup last year included Dario Saric and uh, Robert Covington. And then, obviously, Embiid missed a few games. Jimmy Butler uh, came in and came into this season, and he had a great year with the Sixers, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, that team wasn't complete. I mean, you went to the bench and you had, yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't the biggest T.J. McConnell fan in terms of skills. But, like, you had T.J. McConnell playing key minutes, which you don't have to do this year. You got You had, like... He was more of a great dude than a great player. Exactly, and yeah. I mean, I love I love TJ McConnell. Just I mean, his effort and he kind of reminds you of a Ryan Archidiakono for Villanova when they won the. I mean, he's that heart, hustle, grit type of guy. And he's still he's that pretty, with I don't know if he's still with the Bulls, but that's what he was with the Bulls. No, yeah, he's still with he's the still Bulls, with and yeah, he's still making those same diving plays into the crowd and and the um scoring table and stuff and those are the fun guy the fan favorite guys that you learn to love it's just a shame obviously i don't think he could be a true second string point guard on a nba finals team so i think if he could have been like the third string guy you would have seen the play out a little different but i think you replace all that with a fantastic starting lineup and a true bench I think that's at least eight to nine games more wins than last year, and that, I'm just saying that's where I'm coming from. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because you add the depth. I mean, like I said, uh, that that makes all the difference when you have all those depth guys compared to not having them. And and it's just like I mean, it's weird talking about it. It's kind of hard to actually talk about having a lot of depth, even when I talked about it with Shane in the Flyers podcast. Because it's like, when the heck was the last time this was the case? So it's like your brain's like mind boggled going, wow, we have we might have an issue of having to put somebody in the G League just because. Just like the Flyers had the issue of having to put Krakowski in the AHL just because. Where, where uh, that's a pretty good problem to have. Oh, yeah, exactly. And finally, you're seeing some things turn in our favor. Um, but the thing is with... With um, where you're gonna go from here is like, so say we, well, I mean, obviously we will make that we will make the playoffs, but what do you think? Do you think this is a championship, or maybe not a championship, but at least a, and one of those NBA final appearances or bust seasons, or, or you're more leaning towards Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I would say it's a champion with the hype. I would say it's a championship or bust, uh, not not win the championship, but get to the get to the finals or bust uh, type thing. But like I kind of said earlier, if you were to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals on some freak ass play similar to that Kawhi Leonard thing, uh, I don't think people would look at that sideways. So it kind of would depend how you lose in that series, where. Um, if you get to the finals, no matter what, I think you're pretty much set for the following season to kind of just keep that momentum riding. 
Okay, and that's I mean that's a fair point. And while we're talking about this, who would you say? I mean, I'll give you my answer after I guess. But who would you say is the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference for the Sixers to make the finals? That's another thing I went back and forth on five trillion times. Um, I mean, the problem with me is, like, I feel like it's not the Celtics, but just because it's the Sixers, I feel like it could be the Celtics because Gordon Hayward, for some reason, plays like he's the old Gordon Hayward every time we played the Celtics. Like, it's like, yeah, you know what, guys? I never got injured. um, that, That was just, that was just a mirage. Um... So, like, that's the only reason I feel like it might be the Celtics, just due to the Sixers sometimes with their matchup history against the Celtics and not for, like, a million trillion other reasons. That's kind of just the reason I think it's the Celtics over teams like Atlanta or, like, um, Indi- like Indiana, Detroit, et cetera, et cetera, as we go down the list. Um, Brooklyn, I don't think, is going to be the best without having everybody, in my opinion. So I don't know how that's going to go. And then Milwaukee, um, they had to get rid of some people in order to get some of the people they brought, they kept in or brought in. So I don't know how they're new and um, things are going to go. And I know Bledsoe, I think, is out to probably uh, start. I mean, he has a rib issue, so he's at least going to be affected, if not out to start the year. So. Okay, um, I'm gonna go a different way here because I dis- I'm gonna disagree with you on this one. Um, I I I think the Celtics struggle this year. I, I don't. I'm not a big Kemba fan to carry that team. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I think the Celtics might. I think they fall off a little bit this year. You might see them more mid pack in the Eastern Conference, if not a little lower. I'm gonna go here and say the Milwaukee Bucks. I think are the biggest competition for the Sixers. I think they got a lot back. Obviously, they got Giannis. Um, I don't see them falling off at all from last year. I think I think I read before this that their over-under for the season is about 57 and a half wins it was. So I think I think the Bucks because also I, they got a good coaching staff. They also yeah. lost to the Raptors last year. So they're going to be hungry and – I think I think th- I think depending on who might edge out home court for the playoffs, I think that's going to be a big thing on uh, for both these teams. I think I think the East is between the Sixers and Bucks this year. Okay, yeah, I mean I can see your reasoning because yours is more of a like I kind of went with the more of let me like the historic matchup Sixers wise viewpoint where you kind of went with who everybody thinks is probably going to be the better team. Uh, which is probably the more likely thing to happen. <laughs> but it's just, for me, with the Celtics, especially after adding a guy like Edwards who just shoots, 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 the Sixers um sometimes still get, I don't know how they're doing this, how they're doing this year with the great, with the defense they have, but when you have that many shooters, they were even saying on 97.5 today, sometimes it's hard to limit that many dudes that can shoot. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's another good point as well. But I mean, I think, I think, and I don't think Kemba necessarily like if the Celtics want to be good, Kemba can't be the catalyst. It has to be a two-dimensional team. It has to be one day Kemba's the catalyst, the next day Jason Tatum's played like Jason Tatum's played in his rookie season, where Jason Tatum's gonna have to be the catalyst some games, and Kemba's gonna have to be a catalyst some games, and then towards the end of the season, one's gonna have to kind of take the step and be the dude. 
where I think that's the way the Celtics would be their best team, not by Kemba being that guy because Kemba's not a dude that I don't th- that I think can just be that dude, like you said. So yeah, that's true as well. And I mean, I think they just lack a little bit or a lot from like last year. Like yeah, I don't well, you're gonna have replaced... to play Hayward a lot more. So yeah, I don't think they replaced Horford that well either. I mean, I don't know. Daniel Feist will play a lot more for them this year now that Al Horford's gone, and he's more of an athletic guy than he is, like, a great defender. He can shoot threes as a power forward center, and where, well, obviously, so can Al Horford, but, I mean, he's not, like, a defensive juggernaut like Al Horford. He's just solid. Exactly, and, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year, and hopefully, I mean, I think the real team, give it two years from now, or... A year from now, like if you would fast forward one season, the it's going to be a fun battle between the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, when they get the ramp back, that's going to be our true, true. I mean, it's going to be a true three-way battle between the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks, and that's that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be a really good battle, and then of course, I mean. I think, of course, a team like Boston never gives in. So if they did do kind of what you said this year and win the middle of the pack, they would probably spend this offseason too and try to get themselves into it being a four-way race uh, the whole year. So, I mean, you got to look out for big market teams like that to just kind of splurge in one offseason to stay competitive. So, oh, Especially when your uh, GM's name is Danny Ainge. I mean, they're always surrounded by rumors from left and right, whether it's I mean, a big trade or a big free agency. I mean, they're always in the news. Yeah, yeah. The Celtics are. I mean, when you have Danny Ainge there, you're going to be in the news. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting. I th- I just think I I think it still might be the Celtics as the toughest matchup. Even if say the Celtics aren't in second, I just think they might be the toughest matchup for the Sixers individually where they might lose more games to the Celtics, say, than they do to the Bucks, just because the Bucks, uh don't, like, with the Celtics adding Edwards and a couple other guys they added in the draft to mix with Hayward and Tatum, if he can develop a shot, and Brown, who continues to develop a little bit better each year, um, I think that team might match up better in the terms of just kind of being able to, like we said, sometimes outshoot us. So, where... um Milwaukee has some good shooters, but they also got lost some good shooters in the offseason as well. So, Exactly. And, I mean, and that's that's an area you're going to see as we go back. I mean, we were talking about defense earlier. I mean, probably put Simmons on Giannis and see how you go from there. I mean, that's going to be another mixed match type of situation. But, I mean, I don't know if you have any – other uh, thoughts on this upcoming season, but I was just going to see, uh, I was going to answer some questions while I ask you for a couple prediction wise. Um, how many, I would say my number would be three to answer this question, but how many kind of, if you had to predict how many all-stars you'd see this team have at the break, what would, what would your number be? Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I would say it'll probably be three, and I'll say who I think they would be. One, obviously, would be Ben Simmons. Two would be Joel, and then three's a split between Jay Rich and Tobias Harris. Uh, I would say at this point, I would think Tobias will make it just because he's going to be bringing up the ball sometimes, so that's going to give him more of a chance to kind of 
get high hiding statistics over Josh Richardson, so I would say that would be uh, my three. That's a good one. Maybe it's even gonna be four because my third one outside of Embiid and Simmons was I was gonna say Al Horford. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, we actually could. Now that we say that, we might even have more than three uh, All Stars, which would be a fun time. I don't know. The last time the Sixers have had three or four All Stars in the in the game. Um, it's probably been a minute. <laughs> and then what? I mean, we were talking about whether it'd be a bust or not. But what? What is your prediction on how far this team goes? Well, I think personally, I mean, I gotta get bit in the ass uh, in our first year of doing a podcast if I don't get this right. But personally, I do think we're going to win the finals. (laughs) So I figured I should just put it out there since I think we're going to win the finals and not sugarcoat around the bush and beat around the bush about it. So I do think this team is going to win the finals. I think, one, Golden State's not going to be the team in the finals in the West. Uh, And it'll be if the... And I think they will honestly end up playing the Clippers, which will fuel them to win. Because they're gonna want to get revenge on Kawhi Leonard, so that's kind of. I, I hope you're right. I mean, obviously, I want to win, but I think, I think right now before the season, I'd have to I'd pick the Clippers over the Sixers in the finals. And yeah, you guys can hate on me for it, but I think top to bottom, that team would be more ready to win something than we would be. Matchup-wise, I think they would even go a little deeper in terms of bench. I mean, Lou Williams has been a six-man of the year. I don't know how many times, but he's always right there. And, I mean, just the the duo of Kawhi and Paul George, they could match our defense. And, obviously, I think that duo, I don't know if you would disagree, but that duo is better than any scoring duo as well on the Sixers. So, I I just think that team would be too much for – I mean, I think we could give them a series, but – Overall, I'd pick the Sixers to lose the finals. That's that's my prediction for them. Yeah, it all depends. I mean, because I put them in it with the Clippers. I mean, if another team makes it too, like for example, if the Lakers make it, if you can just stop LeBron and AD, you pretty much beat the like, like not stop but limit LeBron and AD, you pretty much beat the Lakers in my opinion. So I don't think Kyle Kuzma's going to go off that much. So uh, I mean. He's an interesting guy. I like Kuzma, but I think in a series against, yeah, I don't think he could carry them to the next level. But I don't know if you have anything else to wrap up here. Uh, any final thoughts I on mean, the season? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the Sixers will get to the finals of one. But, I mean, now that I put L.A. in the finals, since we said who do you think will be the better L.A. team, I'll just wrap up with not a Sixers thing, but I kind of thought about that as you're we talking about other stuff. Obviously, I think it's the Clippers since I just put them in the freaking finals. So, um, I and I think that kind of because of the same lines that many people have echoed in media, which is you took the Warriors to a great series with nobody, like no big-name dude on your team last season. Like you had Danilo Gallinari carrying your team. <laughs> so that's kind of when I go, now you added these dudes – I feel like you're good. You're, you're going to be the team that has a better chance in LA because of that. Uh, you, you, you. I mean, it's kind of like you added to a team that was already somehow good, where like with the roster they had, that wasn't even that 
big of a known roster, in my opinion. No, so. yeah, I mean, I agree with that, and I mean, obviously, we both had them in the finals, so I think we both agree with them. I'll agree on that sense, but I, I think, I guess, one other question would be outside of the big two LA teams, Philly, Milwaukee. Who would kind of be? I think mine would be some of the dark horse because they've been up there. But outside of those teams, I think I could see Denver. I, I love like Denver would be a fun team to see go in the finals. But I don't know who's your outside team to go. Uh, so basically in the East or the West, not just yeah, the- East or East or the West. Okay. Uh, I would say. I mean, yours is probably a pretty good one as a surprise team. I think a lot of articles have a uh, Denver as a. Uh, a surprise team that I kind of uh, uh, eyeballed and didn't have time to read all of them, but I kind of skimmed through some of them. I mean, I would say a team that's a little bit weird uh, this year to see is going to be, I mean, that can surprise you is probably Golden State just due to the fact that, I mean, nobody thinks they're going to get back. Everyone's counting them out due to the fact that they don't have Clay or Durant anymore. But they still have a pretty good roster, so I feel like people would be surprised if they make the finals. Therefore, it actually would be a surprise team to make the finals, since I, everything I read on Twitter is Golden State's not going to make the finals this year. <laughs> like, so, um, that that's kind of why I would say I think people would be surprised if they go, how the hell do they make it with this team? <laughs> so... Because they don't have that great of a defense as they used to have with the team they have now. Like D'Angelo's not that great a defense. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's to me. That's gonna be a very interesting fit on his part. I don't. I don't know how he mixes well with Curry. I, th- I mean, we'll see. But I, I'm kind of with. Which is also why I think that would be a shock, because most people think he's not going to fit well chemistry wise. So yeah, I. I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors fall in the back half of the eight more than the front half of the eight. I mean, I don't know if we want to get into that, but I would say, like, Clippers are going to be, like, the best team. Then you're going to have the Lakers. You're going to have the Nuggets. You're going to have the um, Trailblazers, I think, are going to be better than the Warriors. Uh, I mean, I I think the Warriors fall to maybe six or seven in the West just because, I mean, really outside of Curry. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Curry's the best shooter in the game. But I think you're going to see them struggle a little bit this year. I mean, I don't. I mean, I yeah, it all depends on because Steph. everybody's counting them yeah. out. But I just don't see them getting in that top half of the league. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see it. But I mean, I could. I mean, the thing is, anytime Steph Curry's been counted out, uh, he tends to step up. Like whenever a guy gets injured, it's like, well, Steph hasn't had to do this this year, so can he just step in and do it? He has. So now that he has to do it for a whole season, he might just end up going back to that MVP level style. Where at that point, then I would say they would probably just be in top in the top three in the West, just due to the fact that Steph Curry might win the MVP. So, but yeah, yeah, that's fair too. I mean, that's what makes players great is seeing how they step up compared to folding. And I mean, Curry's he's done both honestly in his career. He's taking teams to the next level, but he's we've also seen him kind of fold a little bit in certain scenarios. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But, Still think he's a Hall of Famer, but you know. 
What was that? I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but you know. <laughs> uh, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, don't worry. I mean, the fact that you have some guys, I mean, I've heard Andre Iguodala is a questionable Hall of Famer, so if he's questionable, Curry's already a luck. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I have. I don't know if you want to add any final things before we close this up. No, I don't really have uh, anything else to go on except for, um, like Andrew said, keep a lookout for a future podcast. Definitely, especially like lists, like we'll probably try to do top 10 lists for not just basketball, but other things as well to kind of make it a cool factor. So keep an outlook for a lookout, not an outlook, keep a lookout for that's a freaking Microsoft program. Uh, keep a lookout for those podcasts. Uh, use Outlook if you like Microsoft, but keep a lookout for those podcasts on our thing. And also, I think, uh, obviously, my Twitter, if you want to follow me, is JJ Boric, uh, or, uh, yeah, 26, that is mine. I always get confused with mine because I've had 50,000 Twitters in my life. And then uh, your Twitter is uh, what, Andrew? My Twitter is AJ underscore Santangelo, which is S-A-N-T-A-N-G-E-L-O. And if you want uh, if you want to follow me, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of sports tweets and my uh, daily poll. Yeah, if you want to follow me, you're going to see a lot of sports tweets, but you might not want to follow me also if you don't like some political stuff. <laughs> Just a tip to people. <laughs> um, so... Uh, T- take it with a grain of salt, some of the stuff I say that is not about sports, because I don't know as much about every other world that's not sports. So, I just try to say my piece. But anyway, I think that's pretty much uh, all we have for tonight, and I'll let you uh, wrap up the show if you want to. Yeah, I mean, let's go Sixers. Finally back at it t- uh, tonight, uh, me, uh, October 23rd. Uh, against your Boston or against uh, our rival Boston Celtics, um, it's our home opener. So hopefully, I'm sure fans will be great, and let's hope it's the start of a good season. And this is all we have for tonight. And thanks for listening to the one uh, one in the hive podcast segment with True Philadelphians. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and feel free to talk to us because we'd be very happy to respond and interact with our listeners. Have a great night, everybody.